Ugh, our 20s. The drunk dialing, the forgetting to wash our face at night, and yes, neglecting our teeth. Don't do that last one. You only get one set of teeth, so you need to protect them. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface and locks in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. Pronamel also makes a new mouthwash, which helps to repair acid-weakened enamel beyond brushing alone. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair any where you buy your toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit pronamel.com today. Conair is spreading love and celebrating women, not just on International Women's Day, but every day with Conair Girl Bomb. Girl Bomb is their new line of powerful hair removal tools made just for us. Whether it's the silky smooth skin or the empowering confidence boost you get, Conair Girl Bomb is here to amp up those positive vibes with some self care. So to all the beautiful women out there, keep shining, keep being you, and treat yourself to some Conair Girl Bomb magic. You deserve it. Now available at Walgreens. As someone who works for themselves, I'm always looking for ways to make my life a little bit easier. One of those things is Canva's AI-powered Canva presentations. When I need to make a deck super quick for a meeting or a pitch, I just start with a prompt, describe my presentations in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides in seconds. It is the perfect way to get a head start on my slides. It's incredibly easy to learn and use and they also look incredible. I can then customize based on my favorite style and content, and there we go. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work. Hello, and welcome back to The Psychology of Your 20s, the podcast where we talk through some of the big life changes and transitions of our 20s and what they mean for our psychology. Hello, welcome, new listeners, old listeners, first timers, whoever you are. So excited to have you here on the podcast, um, talking about some very exciting, fun, relevant topics today. Um, something that I've really wanted to cover for a while and that feels particularly relevant because um, I obviously haven't posted for a hot minute, maybe like a couple of weeks. For this very reason, I've been absolutely swamped with my actual job, my real job. Um, hence the motivation, the inspiration to talk about hustle culture and burnout on this episode. But before we get to that topic and to all the psychology behind it, um, just want to update everyone about a new feature that this podcast has. So in, I don't know, the last few weeks, we have gained so many new listeners. So welcome to you all if you've just started listening in. And I thought it would be a really amazing time to start publishing some more personal and paid content, mainly some of my guest episodes, my Let's, Let's Get Friendly segment, um, where I chat to some of my friends, other people I know in their 20s, just about their life experiences the struggles and situations they're finding um, themselves in, some of my love line episodes where we answer love queries and questions and conundrums that you guys send in. So um, a lot of that content now I'm hoping to put out once or twice a month and I now have paid subscriptions, which is super exciting. So if you feel called to, you can sign up for that on Spotify, if that's where you're listening, on Apple Podcasts, 
wherever you get your podcast. I'm super excited to be kind of moving into that new stage of the podcast and being able to offer some more interesting and niche and personal content to those who are frequent listeners. So thank you for all the support so far. Um, and for those who have already subscribed in that capacity, obviously still putting out the regular episodes that you can listen to at your leisure. Um, but for people who are wanting to hear some more of that stuff, please feel free to subscribe and thank you for all of the support so far. Anyhow, with that aside, this week we are talking about a highly requested topic that I get on Instagram all the time. We are talking about hustle culture and we're talking about burnout. The two often go hand in hand and have super important ties to psychology and surprise, surprise, our 20s. So our main topic of the day is hustle culture. This is a term that I think has come about pretty recently and I'm sure we've all encountered it in some capacity, perhaps, um, I don't know, you've seen it talked about on TikTok or Instagram on your For You page, especially if you're in the corporate lifestyle or on that pathway, you've heard about it amongst friends. Um, if you haven't heard about it, think phrases like rise and grind and people constantly talking about, almost bragging about their long hours and relentless schedule. It is super common, I think, in our 20s and in the early stages of our careers um, to really be like striving and aiming for a work-life balance that is more centered on work and success and gaining money and status and promotions and all of those kinds of things. I think I am definitely at fault of buying into hustle culture and I'm trying to be more conscious of how this lifestyle and this image and almost this kind of philosophy has become indoctrinated into my own mind and my working habits and patterns, hence um, this episode. And we're also going to be talking about burnout. Burnout I, is kind of a separate thing, I think, in many ways, but there are heaps of links. And I think that you don't need to be buying into hustle culture to be experiencing burnout. And maybe you're someone who's working super hard in a crunch period at work, but you might not necessarily be burnt out. But I thought that they really did go hand in hand and complemented each other quite well for this episode. We're going to be talking about a bunch of things. We're going to be talking about why hustle culture and, um, you know, the expansion of our working hours beyond the nine to five and, you know, passive income and trying to, you know, seek promotion and that, that work heavy lifestyle has become so much more, I don't want to say popular, but so much more common for people in their 20s. Um, and who benefits from that? What the impact of that has been on society and culture and on an individual level around our mental health? And that's where burnout comes in. That is a really interesting relationship to me. And I'm going to be talking about what the impacts of you know, long-term cortisol levels and long-term stress and long hours and a lack of sleep does to our body and does to our minds and our well-being and why it's important to have aspirations beyond financial and career success in our 20s. It's so critical for our long-term development, especially in our formative years, to achieve a healthy work-life balance and to center ourselves on what we really want in the future because this is where our patterns and our expectations for our life 
kind of start to take form and take shape. So super interesting, very relevant, and hopefully you get something out of this if these kind of topics have been something that's been on your mind recently as it has been on mine. Okay, so what's hustle culture? What are we talking about today? Essentially, hustle culture teaches us that there is always more, more money to make, a bigger title or a promotion, a higher wall to climb. And it is a state of kind of constant hustling, as the name says, or working with complete and utter commitment to your work, maybe with no time out or breaks, skipping meals, rest time, um, maybe even sleep to continue working towards your professional goals. Um, it's really centered on our relationship with work and hustle culture has emerged recently, I think, in the past 30, 20 years even, um, kind of as this new type of, of lifestyle in which work is at the center and our personal priorities and our personal lives are kind of pushed to the side. We could talk about capitalism, we could talk about all of those structures that we exist in, but um, sadly this is a psychology podcast, so we're going to be talking more about the mental element to this kind of recent phenomenon. And we're also going to take a moment to reflect on hustle culture and what it is that we're after and how we can consciously take care of ourselves whilst we reach and carve out our ambitions how is it that we can recenter our aspirations and our goals and what we actually want whether that's in our professional or personal lives whilst also maintaining balance and incorporating other important elements that are crucial for our well-being so i think hustle culture glorifies overworking as sort of a badge of honor it often sets up an environment of fear guilt and shame um, especially when you don't feel like perhaps you're running at the same pace as everyone around you. Hustle culture, this phenomenon of working harder and working more, is a social structure. It's a social phenomenon that only has power because other people buy into it. And as a collective, we start to see a trend in the way that we work now and in a way that we've been socialized to feel about work which is that it's become a lot more important and that we should be prioritizing our professional ambitions perhaps over our more personal ambitions. So hustle culture as a cultural and social phenomenon is really interesting. I think it's become normal because ambition has become disguised as a lifestyle rather than as a means to an end. And millennials, I guess, young people in particular, perhaps if you're a recent graduate, you're particularly likely to fall into this kind of like workaholism that hustle culture perpetuates, you know, the 70, 80 hour work week um, and that kind of hustle mania has become something that has been drilled into us as society um, kind of breeds into this idea that work has is more important than the other things that make life important. Maybe that's not making a lot of sense, but I think life doesn't just center around what we do to make a living. And often whilst we're making money and chasing our career goals, we can lose sight of what's important, um, like family and hobbies and creativity and self-care, all of which are really, really crucial to our well-being. Work is not our only purpose in life. 
And hustle culture really benefits when we forget that statement, when we forget that promise that work is not our only purpose in life. I saw this really interesting quote around this um, that I think is super interesting. It was from Twitter, which is really random because I'm not, you know, traditionally on Twitter, but it says, and I'm going to quote it here because I think it's a really interesting thing to talk about when we're considering the role of hustle culture in our work lives. Hustle culture takes, is so it's hustle culture is about killing the beauty in patient discovery, the power of creative process and rewarding a focus of a mission without an expiration date. I thought that was super, super relevant here. Rewarding focus of a mission without an expiration date. This is why hustle culture is unhealthy and unnatural. When we set goals for ourselves, the most effective type of goals we can set are those that we can easily reach and which have small incremental steps that we can follow in which to, in which to get there. That is really crucial and that's what psychology tells us about how our brain works. If you set out to run a marathon, you're not going to perhaps finish or get the time you want or get to the point where you can even run half of it if in the, in the back of your mind is, I have to run 42 kilometers. My goal is to run a marathon. It's a marathon. It's a marathon. No, the way that we can achieve goals such as the marathon example is by breaking them up into smaller components that we can work towards. For example, you know, let me finish this next 5k and then it's a water break and then after 5k I'll get to 10 and then I'm only a quarter of the way there. Small incremental steps and small incremental goals are the most successful way to kind of reach our ambitions. Now let's put that in the context of hustle culture and that quote I read. Hustle culture does not see life and our goals and our ambitions in that light. It is about this constant striving and pushing and working for more and that more is not always tangible. It's not always obvious to us exactly what we're working towards and our goals are kind of subsumed by an ideology of just working for the sake of it and for the image of being devoted and being and pushing yourself to the limits, which is entirely unhealthy. And if you're someone who in your professional life you have very serious goals, this idea that you just need to be constantly pushing and pushing and pushing and striving towards this and setting unnatural limits for yourself and unhealthy boundaries isn't actually going to allow you to, you know, reach those certain marks and goals and ambitions that you've set for yourself because there is no incremental goal building inside. Hustle culture is just this sense, this all-encompassing sense of working. But working for what? That is the real question. And we're seeing people, perhaps like you and I, in our 20s, continually being consumed with just the idea of our career as the sole pillar of our identity um, and either pretending or genuinely believing that this is a satisfying and happy way to go about life, despite the fact that within those broader ambitions um, that you might set for yourself, you don't actually have time to sit back and consider exactly what you're working towards, what are those incremental goals, what are those small things that would make your life more meaningful and more purposeful in the short term. I think fundamentally hustle culture 
and the hustle culture we see in this day and age is about work dominating your time in such an unnatural way that we have no time to actually live our lives and experience the beautiful things that bring a sense of of actual purpose and it has pretty severe impacts on our mental health if you're pursuing a 70 80 hour work week especially if it's for image-based purposes rather than for achieving a genuine goal that you might have it's likely that you're going to reach the end of your tether a lot sooner than if you dialed it back and took your time and went slowly about how you approach your career and your professional life hustle culture this idea of working really hard leads us to believe that our worth is only limited to how productive we are to how much we produce the amount of work we put out it's hustle culture teaches us that the thing that is most important about our identity and our self-concept is our outputs is what we produce and we know that that is not the case we've talked about this on the podcast before but our self-concept is not one-dimensional. The way that we see ourselves and the way that we um, yeah, view ourselves as individuals and what is important is not one-dimensional. It's multifaceted and it is defined and created and built by many different elements. If we only focus on one element of that equation and one element of our self-concept, the rest of these important things and these important pillars like family, like hobbies, like creativity, like passion, those things fall away and you end up becoming, um, I would say, quite shallow and you feel quite unsatisfied with your life. That is, I think, the massive problem with hustle culture. It views, it allows us to view ourselves as the sum of our output rather than as a product of our inputs and a product of the things that we choose to prioritize within ourselves. Work is one element of a healthy self-concept. We spend a lot of time during our lives, um, if you're you know, one of the lucky ones and this doesn't apply to you, congratulations, but for the majority of people, we spend you know, eight hours, nine hours a day, five days a week, producing things for others, producing things for the company we work for or for the organisation we work for or for the institutions we work for. Work is an important element of life. We're not going to disregard that and, you know, I'm not going to push this philosophy that we all need to quit our jobs and live in the forest. Work is really important. But if it begins to subsume the other things, the outcome of that is not going to be entirely healthy or fulfilling There are other elements of our lives which aren't focused on output, which are equally important. Our familial and our personal relationships don't necessarily have the same tangible product associated with them as our work lives do, but they're equally important. The same thing can be said about our hobbies or our creative outlets. You know, if you play sport on the weekend, that might not necessarily have a productive output, but it really contributes to your overall sense of self and our well-being. Hustle culture and this ideology of working hard, of pushing yourself, of letting your professional life consume you, puts all of those other elements and facets of your identity at risk if you're not paying attention. The other kind of outcomes of hustle culture are perhaps more physiological 
and and physical. So if you're working really hard, if you're obsessed with this image of being a hard worker, it can lead to lifestyle changes that have pretty negative impacts on our mental health. Things like skipping meals, not allowing yourself time for rest or for sleep or to socialize. And it creates a toxic environment that pressures you to work constantly um, and makes you feel like you can never say no. It doesn't allow for the establishment of healthy boundaries. And the result of all of these kind of lifestyle changes, this pressure on our ability to say no, this pressure on our boundaries and our expectations for our lives results often in burnout. Um, And burnout as a result of working really hard has not only short-term impacts on our general state of mental well-being, but also on your long-term health. The experience of your health or the state of your health in a moment might feel inconsequential, but especially when we're young and we're in our formative years and we're in our 20s, the pressure you put on your mind and your body, you know, because of your career, because of your work life, will have long-term impacts on you physically. And burnout is just one of those components. Okay, we've been pretty damning of hustle culture and we've been pretty damning of um, the pressure to, you know, make your professional and your work life the center of your self-concept and your existence. But let's talk about some of the consequences for your psychological well-being and your mental state. Burnout. Burnout is this other topic I really wanted to bring into this into this discussion. We hear a lot about it. I think burnout is a phrase that is pretty common in most corporate lifestyles at uni uh, for people who are, you know, really being forced into uh, a lifestyle that demands a lot of your time, either because of your professional aspirations um, or even some of your personal aspirations. Burnout um, can come as a result of many different pressures acting on someone at once. It is a state of complete mental physical and emotional exhaustion. I want to state this and I want to make a little disclaimer here. Often people equate burnout with stress. The two are not the same. You can experience um, moments of stress and it's very easy to bounce back from them. You know, you've got an upcoming deadline at uni or at work. It's very normal to feel stressed about that because of time pressures and other factors that are contributing to that. Stress and burnout, though, are completely different. Burnout, like I said, is a is is a, a ongoing state of exhaustion rather than a momentary or short lived period of heightened anxiety. So, with stress, you might be overly engaged and more worried and and anxious and feel irritable and a sense of urgency, um, and a sense of energy. But with burnout, it's very different. Burnout is different from stress because stress is often associated with high levels of energy, high levels of excitement and the arousal of our central nervous system, whereas burnout is the stage that comes after an elongated period of stress. And it's characterised by complete disinterest, disengagement, sense of feeling numb and blunted emotions, negative cynical catastrophic thinking difficulty concentrating and paying attention difficulty sleeping um, rather than 
uh, a sense of kind of heightened excitement. So stress and prolonged stress is what contributes to burnout, but they're very, very different concepts. And that's something I really want to kind of stress for people who might be listening, because a big sign of burnout and a big warning sign of burnout is heaps of periods of stress that are going to contribute to a state of mental and physical exhaustion. So there is a reason that this happens. There's a reason that we reach a state of feeling completely numb and completely burnt out and unable to function. When we are experiencing periods of heightened anxiety, this puts pressure on our central nervous system and on our body. So we can think about this um, from a really simplistic biological sense. You've got, you know, something coming up at work, something that's really stressing you out, upcoming exam period, something along those lines. In response to that, your brain and your body identifies a threat. It identifies something um, that your mind and your body and you as a person are going to need to overcome. So the way that it would traditionally, the way that our brain would normally see a threat like that is to increase our body's capacity to respond in a fast and efficient manner. And the way that it does that is by flooding our body with a bunch of chemicals and neurotransmitters which heighten our systems, which heighten our senses so that this upcoming, I don't know, stressful event, this upcoming, um, you know, almost danger or um, urgent kind of situation can be dealt with. If you think about, um, I don't know, walking into an exam and getting that, you know, racing heart rate, feeling like your brain is jittery, that you literally can't write the words fast enough, the time is passing really quickly or perhaps really slowly, this altered sense of time, this heightened sense of focus, that is your body responding to the neurotransmitters and the chemicals like norepinephrine and adrenaline that our body releases when it feels that it's going to have to respond very actively and acutely to a stressful situation. So that is great. That reaction is exactly what we want our body to do. If there is a threat or if there's something that we are feeling that we're going to need more resources to deal with, we want our body to respond appropriately. We perhaps want to be able to focus better. We want to be able to um, react quicker to prompts and to things in our environment that might be causing us anxiety or causing us um, stress. That is the thing that our body has you know, learned how to do and has been built to do over generations and generations um, of development and of growth and of, and of survival. But those periods of heightened cortisol and noradrenaline um, and norepinephrine levels, they have consequences for our bodies. Our bodies are not naturally meant to be in a state of heightened arousal and anxiety for extended periods of time nor are they meant to have back-to-back periods of this flooding and release of energy into our body and into our cells and into our blood and into our systems. So if you are experiencing a lot of these small periodic moments of intense arousal and intense stress back-to-back, what happens is that the levels of cortisol in your body begin to rise. 
Cortisol has a great, great function. Like I said, it's really important for allowing us to respond to immediate um, kind of dangers in our environment or to respond efficiently to, um, you know, long-term things that are threatening our state of equilibrium. But if it is in our bloodstream perpetually or for too long, uh, it does start to have pretty negative consequences. Particularly one of the main things that we will see, and this is the reason why we experience burnout, if, you know, the grind and hustle culture has been really um, forcing us to work hard for a little while, um, what we'll see is our immune system start to go down um, and start to deplete our immune response, begin to become weaker. You might begin to see um, that you're getting more acne or you're having changes in appetite that if you know you have a cut on your arm or you know a cut on your body it's taking longer to heal if you're a woman your periods or your menstrual cycle um, starts to become more irregular and that is because of those long-term effects of cortisol cortisol when it's been in our body too long um, when we have excessive amounts begins to have negative impacts on our physical well-being it's no longer just a mental thing it's no longer um, that your body and your brain is responding to things in your immediate environment, it now becomes more prominent and more significant on a more physiological and biological level. Like I said, you can have you can see a lot of these physical impacts, but the one thing that it does, which you know links back to this idea of burnout, is that it exhausts your body. Your body is being put under pressure not by a physical or external stimulus, not by you know, doing excessive exercise um, or being forced to a physically demanding situation, but it's being put under pressure internally. Cortisol, um, the way that it's released and the way that it acts on our body um, activates our flight or fight systems. This prepares your muscles, it prepares your mind to, um, you know, be ready for danger. But if that those signals are being sent for too long, we begin to feel exhaustion, you begin to, you know, get sick easier um, and all of those other symptoms that we were explaining. And it leads to burnout. Your body reaches a state of complete internal physical exhaustion and it can no longer function. It breaks down. It breaks down your sense of equilibrium um, and sense of stability within your body. Your, your health uh, begins to feel the toll of excessive stress and excessive pressure that's been put on your mind and your body and your overall sense of well-being. So this is what burnout is. That is the biological basis of burnout. Periods of intense stress and long periods, repeated periods of intense stress result in hormonal and um, neural imbalances within our body that places internal pressure on our systems and causes us to reach a state of exhaustion. Okay, let's talk about that a little bit more. Say that you're at that state of being incredibly burnt out. I'm sure that we all have felt this, um, have all experienced this. You know, maybe it was when you were doing your final exams for school or like I said, you've got a lot of, you know, deadlines coming up for uni or for work um, and even a lot of pressure in your personal life. I think that's the other important thing is that work and academic pressures don't occur in a vacuum. You know, if you've got a lot of going on at work, 
Um, it's not like the rest of your life is put on pause. You also have personal problems and, you know, personal dramas or things that you need to deal with. Um, you've got, you know, all of these other elements such as what's going on in the world, which will be contributing to that exhaustion and that stress and that pressure that's being put on your body. So what do you do? What do we do? Burnout, if it's, you know, somewhat inevitable, if it's going to happen at times, how do we um, create an environment and create patterns and healthy habits that allow us to bounce back um, and allow us to, you know, get back to a point of equilibrium and of normal functioning? So the main thing that we need to address is perhaps reducing that stress to begin with. Let's reduce um, the trigger for this excessive cortisol level and this excessive exhaustion. Being able to identify what is causing you to feel burnt out, whether that be work or academic pressures, is crucial um, for you know putting yourself back on the right pathway and reducing overall levels of exhaustion and stress that are occurring in your life. So is there something that can be done to reduce the pressure and reduce the things and the number of items that are kind of stacking up on your plate? If the answer is yes, fantastic. Great. If you can do something about it, if you can minimize the amount of pressure and external pressure you're feeling on yourself, that is fabulous. Congratulations. But there are other things that need to be done. And if that's perhaps not the case and not something that you can do in that moment, um, there are lifestyle changes and um, choices and behavioral patterns and modifiable lifestyle patterns that you can make and changes that you can make that reduce the impact of cortisol on your body. The first thing to do, and I think one of the primary things that's often suggested, is to focus on diet, sleep and exercise. These are three ways that we are able to kind of control the reactions and the kind of subconscious beyond our control um, reactions that are occurring in our body. Making sure you're getting, you know, those eight hours, eating healthy foods and good foods for you, hydrating so that your body has all of the um, resources that it needs to respond properly to stress in your environment is crucial. And exercise. That is one of the main ways that we can release pent-up cortisol and adrenaline levels within our body by giving it an actual outlet and an, um, a kind of way to release all of that energy that's within our body, putting pressure on us internally. Uh, it's very interesting because one of the suggestions that a psychologist might give to you or a doctor might give to you if you're having a panic attack is to engage in excessive exercise because that is the best way to release um, you know, pent-up energy and, and chemical reactions in your body. Cortisol is looking to respond to something in our environment. So by exercising regularly, we're giving it that, that thing that it needs to respond to. We're giving it its outlet. And that really allows us to kind of alleviate the pressure that it's putting on our internal systems. I think there's other things that can also really contribute to reducing... Um, the level of burnout and exhaustion and stress we might feel. And that's making sure that we prioritize the things that we know make us feel well. This comes back to hustle culture. If your work and your professional life are the pillar around which everything else stands, 
it's very likely that you're probably not putting in enough energy and effort into the things that genuinely bring you a sense of purpose and bring you a sense of happiness and goodness. So recentering your life along kind of the yeah, recentering your life along the things that are important greatly reduces the likelihood that we are going to reach a state where our body is going to force us to take a break, when our body is going to physically tell us to stop. One way that I find this is really useful, um, one way that I find it's really useful, like a a habit and a pattern that I get into is non-negotiables in my life. Things and things that I plan each week that have nothing to do with work, have nothing to do with my professional output that are non-negotiable to me, no matter how much is needs to be done um, you know within my job no matter how much people are asking of me these are things that I do not compromise on and they're things that I find personally fulfilling one of them is is um, the podcast Um, another one is rock climbing or having a physical outlet that I do every every single week every Wednesday I go rock climbing and at 7 30 no matter what else is going on even if someone's asked me to work late that's a non-negotiable for me. I will clock off and I will go and do it because that's important for creating balance in my life. Seeing friends regularly as well. If, you know, I've gone a few days without having social contact beyond my work life or beyond the people um, that I kind of am surrounded by at work, although they're lovely, you know, I do want to have conversations and see people that have nothing to do with what I do from you know 9am to 5pm so that's really important as well making time to connect with family and with friends is a great way to avoid getting to a point of mental exhaustion where like I said your body is going to force you to take a break in this day and age with our changing attitudes and cultural attitudes around the role of our professional work life in our broader existence and broader self-concept, it is really easy to buy into hustle culture and to buy into the idea that the only way to get ahead is to work unreasonable hours and sacrifice the important parts and meaningful elements of our life. I don't think that's the case. I think it's possible to do well in your career and to have professional aspirations whilst still remaining focused and clear and centred on what is really, really important. I think maintaining those healthy boundaries around what's important to you and what's a non-negotiable in your life really also helps us avoid that kind of pattern of exhaustion and stress and burnout that we've talked about. So I hope that this episode has kind of shed a bit of light. It was a bit of a ramble. I think it was just something I really wanted to discuss on the podcast this week and just kind of dump my thoughts and my knowledge out upon all of you so hopefully you got something out of it if you're experiencing something similar if you're kind of stuck in the corporate way of thinking and this day and ages way of thinking around work um, take a step back and make sure that what you're doing in your life aligns with what you actually want it's very easy to be passive and to fall into the social and cultural and professional expectations that our jobs and our community and our society demands of us but 
taking time to really think about what is going to make your life meaningful for you will inevitably have amazing benefits for your mental health, your physical health and your long-term well-being and probably even benefits for your career in the long term. You know, when your body is forcing you to take a break, it's really, you know, not going to take no for an answer. And no matter what deadlines you have on, you're not going to be able to push through that. So um, hopefully this has been a nice reminder on the importance of balance. And thank you as always for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and you feel called to, please leave a review or a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're listening right now. It really does help the podcast grow. And if you're interested in paid subscriber content, like I said, that's now available. So get onto it if you feel the need. If you want to listen to more of my voice, maybe not. Um, Yeah, there's links somewhere. I'm sure you can figure it out. And as always, thank you for listening. I will be back next week. Don't know what we're talking about yet. But if you have suggestions, reach out on Instagram and uh, I'll get to it. Thank you so much. Ugh, our 20s. The drunk dialing, the forgetting to wash our face at night, and yes, neglecting our teeth. Don't do that last one. You only get one set of teeth, so you need to protect them. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface and locks in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. Pronamel also makes a new mouthwash, which helps to repair acid-weakened enamel beyond brushing alone. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair any Anywhere you buy your toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit pronamel.com today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. As someone who works for themselves, I'm always looking for ways to make my life a little bit easier. One of those things is Canva's AI-powered Canva presentations. When I need to make a deck super quick for a meeting or a pitch, I just start with a prompt, describe my presentations in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides in seconds. It is the perfect way to get a head start on my slides. It's incredibly easy to learn and use, and they also look incredible. I can then customize based on my favorite style and content, and there we go. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work.